0: Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future.
1: Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Alice Chen, co-founder, chief operating officer, and general counsel at Investax, Singapore-headquartered investment platform for private market digital securities and security tokens issued by venture, private equity, and real estate funds, whose goal is to build the infrastructure to bridge the gap between CFI and DeFi. Alice, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Dominic, for having me. I've been anticipating this interview.
1: <laughs> that means, Alice, you'll be extremely well prepared. Uh, oh, I hope. <laughs> and, and, and my first question is really quite a fundamental one. Uh, I've used the term infrastructure there in my introductory remarks, but are you actually building an exchange or are you building an entire infrastructure here?
0: I would say that it's um, probably both. Um, And I say that because the exchange is part of the infrastructure that uh, we are building and what has been lacking in the private market space. Um, And we, we believe, like many others, who are building in the space that um, the biggest opportunity for tokenization is in the private markets, given their inefficiencies compared with public market infrastructure? There's essentially none, right? Um, uh, and, and this is a good thing because you actually have no legacy infrastructure to replace, um, where this could be potentially uh, problematic for existing financial institutions who have spent a lot of resources building uh, legacy infrastructure so I think the opportunity um, is greatest in the private markets and and of course if you compare it to the public markets. um, You see that everything seems to work pretty efficiently today in the public markets, I use uh, Charles Schwab and. um, we essentially log online. We can execute trades, make deposits. Everything's online. And with dematerialization and central depositories, it seems as though the public markets are, are pretty efficient um, on the surface. But we all know that there's still in the back end uh, a T plus two, three, four day settlement period and this manual reconciliation process that's required. Um, and and what We'd like to say as we're building this is to look at the public markets and say every and see that every significant expansion in the public markets has been attributed to some technology innovation or new process flow. And things like even from the first dedicated trading venue, which was the London Stock Exchange, to electronic trading floors dematerialized shares, central depositories, even to new investment products like ETFs, um, were all enabled due to infrastructure. And that's exactly what we're trying to build.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you've used the term public, public markets. There is, of course, a a private public divide in in the world of of blockchain as well. And I wonder if I could ask you a little bit about the history of um of your organization because both you and your co-founder were at um, ix swap um and remain there as well i just wonder what the relationship is between um ix swap which if, if i'm correct was actually a bu- is actually a public blockchain what the relationship is between ix swap and and investax
0: yeah so maybe a little bit of history um investax started quite a while wa- a, a, a ways back 2015, um, it started out as a traditional real estate crowdfunding platform. Um, but, But what we realized was in the traditional crowdfunding platform space, the technology was actually very low. Yes, you did enable buyers and sellers to find each other online, but we didn't really changed the investment process, and you still needed to do a lot of paperwork and trust third parties to close these deals. And so in 2017, when ICOs took off, uh, the way we looked at ICOs was basically crowdfunding 2.0, using digital currencies to buy these so-called utility tokens, um, where you could, you could you could transact millions of dollars without any central banking system. And it was centered around this whole community building supporting projects you believe in very similar to the ethos of crowdfunding so we embarked on the blockchain tokenization journey in 2017 trying to build all the necessary pieces including the tokenization engine advisory and exchange at the same time applying for all the necessary licenses to operate such a platform so so tokenization is what we consider as the next generation of crowdfunding and online investment technology. And actually in 2019, Investax um, made a strategic decision to move away from paper-based offerings to strictly tokenized offerings. Now, the relationship between the two, so Investex is Singapore-based. Um, it's licensed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. It holds a capital market services license to deal in securities and a recognized market operator to um, offer trading on a a organized market. But all of that was in place. However, we, we, we noticed though, just because you've tokenized an asset doesn't mean that there'll be automatic liquidity. That's not how it works. So we actually built our own solution out of necessity and AMM for security tokens modeled after Uniswap. So iSwap is, we believe, the world's first automated market maker and liquidity solution provider for security tokens and real world assets. So what you have is security tokens on the one side of the trade and crypto or some kind of digital currency on the other side of the trade. essentially something that hasn't been done before. You you need both securities and the payment form on-chain to allow for for on-chain settlement. Mm -hmm. And so IkeSwap actually um, uses licensed broker dealers and licensed custodians. So the first licensed broker dealer is InvestX. It plugs, uh, IkeSwap plugs into uh Investax, and it can plug into other licensed broker dealers and exchanges uh, globally. That's the whole um, I think mission of IXwap is to provide this amM solution for all the platforms that are dealing in security tokens.
1: right. So uh, Investax has these regulatory licenses. Um, but the the main thing which which um IXwap has to has to teach if you like, the, the world of traditional finance, by which I'm including uh, your tokenization platform now, um, moving away from, from crowdfunding. The, the main lesson which you're carrying from uh, IX to InvestX is, um, is this liquidity provision, the automated market-making uh, functionality. Now, is that the main lesson which DeFi has to teach Uh, TradFi, CFI, the world of tokenization, or are there other lessons as well?
0: Well, you know, I think a lot has happened um, in the whole crypto digital asset space, Um, um, particularly last year, end of last year, and earlier this year with the whole FTX collapse, um, which highlighted uh, some issues in the CFI or traditional finance system, which is the risk of that single point of failure. And DeFi is meant to reduce uh, the risk or at least counterparty risk and reduce that single point of failure risk. Mm -hmm. It's all about removing unnecessary intermediaries. Um, You know, if I think about applications today, which are not blockchain based, but something like shared services, right? Airbnb. online booking, Grabs and Ubers, um, Amazons. These are all activities which we have gotten comfortable around to allow certain intermediaries to be removed, which ultimately gives consumers more choice and control. So DeFi is about transferring some of that control and trust to technology. Now, subsequent to FTX, there has been a big push in the crypto community towards DeFi. And even the MES uh, announced last year a project called Project Guardian. It had four pillars. And one of those pillars is specifically focused on institutional-grade DeFi. Now, um, DeFi protocols are self-executing applications on blockchain that can automate financial services, such as lending, borrowing, trading. And and what the uh, MAS has actually um, mentioned is a focus on this institutional grade DeFi. And what does that actually mean? It means um, basically allowing uh, the access to these DeFi protocols through a permission way where you're actually doing KYC AML checks on the front end but powered by DeFi protocols or applications in the back end. But you allow users to access it through a user-friendly interface, a front end which is licensed and trusted, Um, but then you're still interacting with these DeFi protocols in the back end. I think this will be a powerful tool for traditional financial companies to differentiate themselves and, and, and also attract new customer base.
1: It is, I think, a, a pleasing irony that uh, that uh, the, the failure of FTX and the regulatory problems which other cryptocurrency exchanges are now facing indicates that the uh, the original pioneers <laughs> of of blockchain uh, in the financial markets were were right and that uh, the, the decentralized model is uh, that avoids that single point of failure. Um, and now, as you say, People are talking about institutional DeFi, which they would not have been doing uh, as recently as this time last year. So it's uh, interesting how the FTX fallout has, um, in in a way, restored the prestige of the early blockchain enthusiasts. But anyway, um, you have, I think, used the term um, tokenization as a service at InvestAX. Um, What does that mean? And who do you compete with if you're providing that service?
0: Hmm. Um, Yeah, we get asked this question a lot, Um, and I would say we've built this one-stop shop uh, for tokenization where you can issue, trade, custodize, have liquidity options through this AMM model, uh, launch new projects, along with ancillary uh, services like advisory access. And we've also integrated with five public blockchains, including Ethereum, Algorand, Tezos, Hedera, Hashgraph, Polygon, um, along with other services, banking services, K- KYC, AML service providers. So what, what, what all of this is meant to do is offer someone a one-stop shop to issue security tokens without having to go and do the whole build and get licenses, the requisite licenses themselves. Uh, Anyone who owns an asset that has value can now tokenize their assets by coming to one-stop platform like ours. Um, Now, are we so? I, I think you know, your question who are our competitors in that sense? I think we're not trying to compete with anyone really. Um, most of the other platforms are looking to create their own ecosystem on their own platforms. What we're trying to do is offer a complementary service through uh, our services like an AMM for security tokens, which can be plugged into any other platform like ours, like the Investex or exchanges, or even tech providers. There are some security token tech providers, they only provide tech and nothing else, um, where we can add this as a complementary service for all of their security token issuers. Um, I don't know if that made sense. So essentially what we're saying is, This is a service where anyone who wants to tokenize their assets can come and reap, you know, all of the benefits of the time and resources, technical build licensing um, to to enable themselves to be able to to issue security tokens, um, create their own ecosystem of investors and um, know that this will be done in a compliant and uh, you know, licensed fashion.
1: Well, I think a lot of people are now including banks uh, are offering what you might call or what I call tokenization engines. Uh, but I often feel that those engines are uh, defensive maneuvers really by established institutions uh, concerned that they might lose their client base to organizations such as yours. And I suppose that was what the intent behind my question about, uh, about competition was.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But there, the, the, there's a whole world of assets to be tokenized, and not all of these asset management firms or issuers will have the resources or the financial with wherewithal, like the banks, to create their own tokenization engine. So um, we can become a partner for, for the rest of the category of, of issuers who are looking to essentially hold their assets in the digital form so that they can do more with it um you know and just really reap the benefits of tokenization beyond just fundraising alone
1: now as you pointed out one of the attractions of working with you is that it's a compliance is built into the the tokenization as a service Uh, you've got the licenses you're in singapore but I wonder how important it is also not just to be uh, to be regulated in Singapore, but actually to be in a financial center, which is uh, developing, I think, into the global center of, of tokenization. You've got a cluster of, of tokenization platforms there, not just yourselves, but uh, Market Node and Fund Node, uh, AdEx uh, as well. Uh, Wendy and I had a conversation with a major fund manager here in London who um thinks that uh, that that Singapore is is more likely to enable them to to get on with what they want to do than 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 anything they find in in Europe or North America so how helpful is it to you in developing your business to have this sort of cluster uh, and not just the regulatory support but actually a cluster of other platforms in the same location as you
0: yeah I you know we've when we first started in this business we've definitely seeing a chicken and egg problem. Uh, You certainly don't want to be the only one doing what we are doing, but you also don't want to be in a saturated market where everyone's offering the same service. And I I don't think that's the case, or at least we're not there yet. We're still early days. And a lot of what everyone building industry um, has to do is education. So having more players pushing the agenda forward is actually a good thing. And at this point, everyone in the market is all somewhat differentiated based on their product offerings, whether that's real estate funds, startup funding, or it's differentiated based on their client base. They're only targeting institutional or retail investors, or it's geography-centric or technology. Are they using only private blockchains or public blockchains? Uh, different verticals, as well as the technical design and architecture, all of these things will differentiate each of the platforms. But I think our ultimate goals are similar in that we're all trying to democratize access and funding. Um, how we're getting there is, is is slightly different. And and you know specifically, you mentioned Market Node Fund Node. Um, they, I believe, they're building basically the infrastructure that's needed um, for the private market space. I understand that what they're building is similar to a central depository for the public markets, except they're building it for funds, fund node, um, or or, uh, the private markets as a central depository registry for tokenized securities. So they're actually not competing uh, we could all utilize the same services. Um, so in that sense, uh, it, it's non-competing. We were uh, one of the first security token platforms uh, globally, I think, along with ADEX. Um, there were no precedents and really no one to, to look at to uh, follow or copy. and And we've done a number of uh, world first projects. we did a project called EVCC, where we tokenized the Singapore Variable Capital company in a blockchain native structure. and And when we first started, I think there were no blockchain conferences uh, that were dedicated to specifically to security tokens. And now there are. So a lot has changed since when we first started. I think there, you know, definitely helps. Um, to have all of these other uh, cluster of platforms, as you said, um, involved in pushing the adoption.
1: Now, as you said, there is a, a world of assets out there to to be tokenized. You just mentioned your your early experience with the with the variable capital issue. You mentioned also you began as a as a crowdfunding company. But where where have you got to now? What issues have you actually done? so far and how much do those reflect your your history uh, as opposed to what's going to happen in the future
0: yeah you know just to touch upon a, a point i spoke about earlier where we're trying to take the focus away from only fundraising um the the value of tokenization i think for many initially was focused on providing liquidity for illiquid assets but tokenization makes an asset much more multidimensional than simply providing liquidity for liquid assets or fundraising uh, as an alternative source of fundraising. And what we are trying to do is allow issuers to extract more value out of assets they own. And once they tokenize it, you can trade it, lend it, uh, securitize it, become a liquidity provider on a platform like IxSwap plug into other DeFi applications and, and, you know, putting my legal hat on because I'm a lawyer by training. You can bundle and unbundle interests in an asset from ownership rights to economic rights to utilization rights and transfer some or all of those interests. So So, you know, to your specific question, we started out as a real estate crowdfunding platform. So we had a heavy focus on real estate. So we've issued across the entire capital structure from MES to senior debt to equity, um, as well as funds, real estate funds, venture capital funds. And I mentioned the EVCC project. Um, We've also issued uh, or tokenized physical as well as NFTs. Uh, One of the key areas we're focusing more on is back to the whole ethos of why we started the business in line with crowdfunding ethos. We're helping early and mid-stage companies in the web web three space um, who lack venues Mm -hmm. for fundraising and and individual investors who typically couldn't access um, private equity investments or private investments in general. So we're talking about companies that uh, and, and investors on the other side who actually need it the most, and we're about to on Ike Swap, launch um, invest a, uh, an iSwap launch pad, which is reserved for early stage startups. So, uh, you know, a bit more focused on these types of issuances.
1: You mentioned real estate funds. I think you've had some success with other types of fund as well. Uh, and as far as you have been uh, working with funds, what explains your degree of success with funds as opposed to um, direct issuers?
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. You know, I, I wouldn't say that we're more successful than others <laughs> in terms of fund tokenization, but fund tokenization makes uh, you know a lot of sense Especially for closed-ended funds where there's a long lock-up period and no redemption until the end of the fund life cycle. Uh, there are, I think, some fundamental structural alignment issues for investors and fund managers in a typical fund as well. Sponsors are constantly focused on fundraising when they should be looking at portfolio management. And once the funds are raised, the often the fund managers are paid regardless of fund performance on the two and 20 model, right? So if you tokenize a fund, you can lock in the funds, but not the investors, and also create new fee structures, which align the fund manager and the investor's interest better. This is something we were trying to develop with a US-based real estate fund manager in, in what we called an evergreen structure. Um, but you know back to Singapore, uh, as I mentioned, we were the first to tokenize the Singapore Variable Capital Company. The VCC is a new fund structure, which is similar to the Cayman structure of a master sub fund. Um, and this we did with a MAS grant, uh, along with UBS uh, as fund manager, State Street as the fund admin. And the VCC specifically is conducive for tokenization because the VCC Act itself permits issuers to determine how the member registry is held, which means we could issue a complete on-chain blockchain native fund um, and all the stakeholders would access the same blockchain registry. So this is one of the reasons why we think funds are, are, are quite conducive.
1: Now I don't know whether you're you're willing or able to to comment on this, but I'd be interested in your views if you if you do have some on another issue which has arisen around fund tokenization, which is on the one hand you can uh, tokenize the the units, the shares in the fund itself it doesn't do much for you. You might just end up with a you know investors being registered on a blockchain, but doesn't seem to change much else. It leaves all the service providers in place, leaves the fee structures unchanged, uh, and so on. Against that, uh, a more uh, radical model would would be about uh, you know tokenizing the underlying assets of the fund. <laughs> um, to, to what extent is this a live debate for you <laughs> and, for, and for everyone in Singapore?
0: It's it's a live debate. Uh, in fact, even last week we had this debate about tokenizing uh, real assets. In this particular case, it was trees can we actually tokenize individual trees and grant that to say investors who want to own, you know, a specific subset of a a entire um, land? And I don't think we're there yet. This would, um, there's a lot of complications with that. Essentially these are, once you create the token, they would become non-fungible tokens if it's representing individual trees. And then how do you then create um, a secondary market trading uh, valuation for these trees if they all represent um different, you know, in case that one tree grows 15% bigger than the average tree and another tree <laughs> doesn't, you know, these kind of things are, are, are things to consider. So it is a live debate. Um, there's also there have been increases on tokenizing, of course, um, the real asset, the the real estate asset mm-hmm. behind the the structure, and that would probably require some legislative change in how uh, the title and land registries recognize t- title ownership. Um, and I know there have been other companies in the U.S. and in Europe who have been Uh, looking at, you know, doing exactly that. But what we're focused on is primarily tokenizing the instrument or the ownership uh, at the entity level, uh, rather than the actual underlying um, asset. Mm
1: -hmm. Trees are an interesting interesting example, because you could, in a tokenized model, you could uh, sell separately the land on which the tree grows you could sell separately the the tree once it's been turned into into timber so you can kind of wow. disaggregate all the pieces of a of a of a timber business in that way can't you uh, but i i i hear what you're saying about um about the difficulty of of tokenizing the underlying asset in a in a real estate fund it, it would obviously you know as you say you you you, you have to kind of do it at the ownership level who owns this building and in effect you're tokenizing shares in the the company which owns the building but securities generally I suppose we have to wait you know for the for the tokenization of underlying to work at scale we have to have a lot of tokenized securities don't we those underlyings have to get tokenized and how you get there is a very interesting question
0: yeah I mean (laughs) <laughs> we, you know, we're, we've got very, uh, I think, lofty goals, and we think that hopefully, one day all securities will be tokenized. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then that maybe in the near future, or not so far distant future, you won't have to qualify an offer with a digital offer, but that all offers will, will take the form of, of uh, a digital form and we don't question the technology behind it. Um, but, you know, that's what we would like to think. Um, but yeah.
1: And who do you have to convince? Is it is it the issuers or the investors or both? If you're trying to create a future in which every asset is tokenized in the way you've just described, who matters most, issuers or investors?
0: Well, I think right now it's important to bring on quality issuers and projects. Uh, so right now, a big focus on on the issuers, but again, it's a chicken and egg problem, <laughs> right? If you had a lot of investors, then the issuers will naturally come as well. But in order to build that credibility and trust, I think bringing on um, very credible issuers uh, with, you know, very um, Attractive returns will will be important. Um, you know what what we're trying to also say to the issuers who are coming to us is that don't solely focus on the fundraising capability or oh this is going to provide you liquidity. Um, what we say when we're speaking to our clients is that having you know a a tokenized version allows you to do so much more with it to interact with DeFi protocols to to plug into web3 applications to um lend and borrow against these assets and trade against these assets that you wouldn't have had the capability of doing before so this is one way of how uh, you convince the issuers the end that this is ultimately the future if you have a digital dollar and this is what it looks like in the future well, i i truly believe that um we'll all move to some form of digital currencies whether it's stable coins or central bank issued digital currencies those dollars digital dollars will have to interact on the other side with digital securities some form of, of securities that's represented in a digital form, um, and so th- this is this is how we see the future, and this is why we're building all the infrastructure around that.
1: Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying about what you're telling issuers: you know, don't focus purely on the on the fundraising; think about how you can use your your tokens as collateral for a, a borrowing. Uh, but just on this narrow question, obviously raising funds and the price at which those funds are raised is an issue for issuers. Um, and how successful have you been in terms of what you've done so far in raising funds at a good price? In other words, how are you are you meeting the expectations of the issuers uh, in terms of quantity and price? Or what's been your experience?
0: Yeah, I think... Um... What you know, what we have been providing and focusing on is our tokenization SaaS platform. The ability to raise funds will depend on a lot of things, the return profile, the quality of the issuer, all of the other things that generally are required with fundraising, marketing efforts, p- pitch materials. Um, but through our platform, we have raised anywhere from smaller amounts for uh, you know startups fifty thousand dollars to larger tickets ten to twenty million dollars for any particular project. Um, so it really just depends on the offer and uh, the return profile and everything that goes along with the typical investment offering just because you tokenize something doesn't change the you know the uh, thesis of, of investment.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what about asset classes to these? And by here, I mean, are, are you focusing on, on, on alternatives on real estate, hedge funds, resources, whiskey, whatever it is, <laughs> what, what, what difference does that, does that make So you? You're having more success with some asset classes than others, and you're kind of concentrating your efforts there.
0: Well, I think because of our current model, which is a tokenization SaaS platform, you can tokenize any asset class. Essentially, anything of value can be tokenized. Uh, you, you may say that this is a lack of focus, um, but as you know mentioned earlier, we're making an infrastructure play. So we see this as the future of all assets will be tokenized or digitized. So Any Web2 company with any asset can use our services to become Web3 compatible. So, yeah, pretty wide.
1: (laughs) You you said a minute ago that in in an ideal world, you'd have lots of investors. The issues would naturally come. But you want both of those to be very high quality. In in an ideal world, you'd have high quality institutional investors you'd have uh prestige recognized brand name issuers and that would really help to get the market going if we talk just a little bit about the 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 investor side in particular let's say you're you're looking to to get institutional investors involved you want institutional business how hard is it to win them over in terms of their attitudes uh towards the asset class but also in terms of their attitude towards regulation because i Institutions like regulation, don't they? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, definitely a very important point. And you touched upon this earlier. Singapore, is it is it a good jurisdiction to be uh, establishing your business for this type of industry? And I think, it, as, as you can see, even recently, with all of the announcements coming out of um, the U.S., where they're regulating by enforcement, um, it doesn't really give a lot of operators comfort, right? And so we've set up here and it's been a so far a great uh, choice in terms of uh, jurisdiction. As you may be aware, the MAS is fully behind asset tokenization. And if you saw any of the speeches by Ravi Menon um, at Singapore FinTech Festival last year, as well as Green Shoot series, Ravi Menon is the um, MD for the MAS. He openly said that MAS um, sees uh, the innovative combination of tokenization and distributed ledgers as offering transformative economic potential, not unlike, um, and this is kind of quoting him, maybe not exact words, not unlike securitization 50 years ago, right? So you actually in Singapore have uh, the support of the regulators, which is hugely important for institutional adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, When we first adopted uh, blockchain into the business in 2018, we were doing the hard yards trying to push the traditional finance guys, educating them and taking the the slow and steady approach, um, the regulated approach and sometimes very painful approach trying to get all of the appropriate licenses. Fast forward to 2023, we're now seeing all of it, as you mentioned, all of these banks and traditional financial institutions creating their own tokenization platforms uh, where we were educating them back then and now they're actually uh, putting out thought pieces, right? I think there was a uh, recent article on asset tokenization that was put together by DBS, JP Morgan, and the mas. Um, and then you're also seeing you know other uh, services and infrastructure being built uh, that support asset tokenization by these, exact same financial institutions. So it, yeah, it's it's been um a, a huge change since when we started in this industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we have noticed the the MAS attitudes. We've noticed Project Guardian, I think it's called which you just referred to um a, a minute ago. Uh, but from the point of view of your business um in particular, you say the regulator is behind this, but what does it mean for you in practical terms and and I'll put that question to you very specifically, what regulatory licenses Have you obtained and why have you obtained them? Why did you need to get them?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, And that's one of the things I I do want to highlight is, although we're a tokenization SaaS platform, what we're offering is also a regulated platform for issuers to issue their security tokens. Um, And the license that we hold are CMS license, Capital Market Services license, for uh, dealing in securities, we have a recognized market operator license to operate uh, a recognized market for the secondary trading of security tokens. And the sister platform, IkeSwap, was recently granted a license in the Bahamas. Now, I know you're thinking, wow, Bahamas, you know, FTX, debacle. Yep. Why did you go there? We put in the application way before FTX debacle happened. And if anything, I think it's actually um, now applicants and in, in licensees will be more strictly scrutinized because of FTX. So I think you're actually getting more protection. <laughs> so... Um, Ike swap is licensed in the Bahamas to uh, deal with all types of digital asset services.
1: I hadn't thought of uh, a regulatory jurisdictions as being a bit like choosing asset managers. You should always appointment when they've had a terrible year because uh, it yeah. can only get better. Um, you've touched on this before, but uh, it'd be good for to, to be clear on this as well. You are a um, tokenization as a, as, a, as a service platform. What does that mean in terms of the actual services you're Providing? Are you providing advisory service to issuers? Are you providing trading, settlement, custody? What are the services you're providing as part of that?
0: Yeah, of so it is, it is truly uh, a full suite end to end. You can, we have our own tokenization technology. You can issue fundraise. Um, We do the onboarding of investors, KYCML. We do have distribution networks um, and of course, advisory that goes along with that. Custody through a licensed uh, custodian partner, which is Hex Trust at the moment in Singapore. And um, IkeSwap is partnered with First Digital out of Hong Kong. Um, And as well as liquidity pool solution through ix swap all of these services you get in a one-stop shop on our platform
1: you're working with hsbc as well am i right to say oh, that? yes the cash size yes, yeah. yes.
0: Okay. right um we're plugged into and integrated with hsbc um for all the cash settlement services
1: okay and i and would i be right to think that um Working with Hex Trust and with HSBC is reassuring for those institutional investors you're looking to get involved?
0: Yes. Uh, you know, I think everything that we're touching is security tokens and a regulated activity. So, having licensed uh, entities and players uh, operating behind the scenes is definitely providing the hopefully assurance um, for customers. And uh, yeah, no, no, nothing different, you know, I think when we talked about accessing DeFi protocols through a trusted front end intermediary, you think that even if, you know, it, essentially why is that needed? Because in the backend, you leave that to technology, but it's needed because the regulators still need to point fingers to somebody in case something goes wrong and you need to have uh, a, a responsible party Um, held liable, right? And and so having each of these licensed entities facilitating um, the respective activities is is some form of additional assurance. Mm
1: -hmm. How do you go about finding investors? Is it knocking on doors or is there more to it than that?
0: Well, you know, believe it or not, I think there are a lot of forward thinking companies out there. So we do get a lot of inbound inquiries, uh, because we think education is hugely important. So we put out thought pieces, we do our own masterclass on topics covering regulations, um, what's trending in the space, or partners uh, we work with but we also have an IBF accredited uh, course for uh, financial institutions on security tokens, um, but also through you know, our partner networks. Our philosophy is truly um, you know, more collaboration is needed. This industry is just starting out and it's to the benefit of everyone who's operating in the space to Collaborate. We don't want to work in silos. We're constantly looking for partners to work with in every capacity, um, whether that's distribution partners, our service providers, other platforms like us. We signed an MOU with OSL and Archax to work out this exact issue of interoperability. Um, and 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 because you know, as I mentioned, we've been around for a while. We do have an existing database. Um, we have about 1,200 VCs in our network uh, that we're actively looking uh, to convert <laughs> for these existing Web2 companies and make them Web3 compatible.
1: How important are retail investors in the long term?
0: Oh, yeah. I think for IX Swap specifically, it's quite important. Um, as I mentioned, we're licensed in the Bahamas and that license allows us to deal with retail investors for security tokens. So Mm -hmm. it is quite important. And the launch pad on iSwap is uh, focused on small early stage uh, type of projects, primarily Web3 focused um, or at least uh, tokenized offerings. So investors are issued security tokens. And In that instance, I think think the retail segment is is quite important, but our Singapore platform works with institutional investors, accredited investors, and expert investors. There'll always be issuers uh, who only want to deal with sophisticated investors because their product offerings are more complex, right? As an example, we have an FX strategy product on our platform right now, which is only for AIs and IIs.
1: Something that strikes me here is that the retail investors are the probably the biggest beneficiaries of a of a fully tokenized uh, capital market. By which I mean that even with relatively small sums of money, you could start to get exposure to very large corporations. You could start to personalize uh, people's risk profiles to match with their uh, point in their lives they've reached, what their goals are, what their liabilities are going forward. But you kind of can't start there so if you if you start to think long term what is the long term strategy for recruiting retail investors is it to start with some wealthier investors and prove the concept works with them or do you simply start going to the to the banks and wealth managers and stock brokers which control retail investors
0: yeah i think um you know i think we started with a b2c platform so we've been there before. The original pre-blockchain company started in 2015. It was purely crowdfunding, and that was mostly through organic growth. Um, But our long-term strategy is through uh, B2B uh, relationships, and those who already have um, a lot of investors, whether retail or or credit investors, already on their platforms, Um, the likes of, and I'm not saying anything about whether we have a relationship with them or not, but I can think of the likes of Rab or the likes of other, um, uh, you know, perhaps even e-commerce websites that may have retail investors um, and eyeballs that are looking for financial services. A lot of these companies are trying to become a a super app these days, right? And and offering financial products as well. So, uh, you know, I think there's a strategy to be looking at uh, developing that investor base through a B2B strategy.
1: One day we'll have a marketplace with with lots of issuers and and lots of investors. But as you say, this industry is really only just starting out. There are some very obvious benefits for different types of of issuers you mentioned, uh, for funds, for example, that actually tokenization could enable them to move away from that principle-based model and have permanent capital to invest simply because the investors could exit the fund by, by selling in a secondary market, which is the question I really want to ask you now. Uh, I think I'm right to say you're planning a secondary market, and I wondered what progress you've made towards that and how quickly you think that can develop into something genuinely liquid?
0: Mm, yeah, yeah we we obtained our uh, recognized market operator license only at the end of last year. Um, and Swap was only granted a license uh, actually just being granted a license as we speak. So those are being developed, as you said, the secondary market. Now, um, we created the AMM out of necessity because there has not been a lot of liquidity in uh, security token secondary markets. Um, The AMM allows anyone who holds a security token to create their own liquidity pool. And it's a crowdsourced uh, liquidity, uh, pool provider. Anyone who has a security token can create one for as little as ten thousand dollar pools. Of course, that's not sufficient to to provide you know the, the the liquidity, but it's just never been done before, and it's a start. Um, if we look at I think the ETF market, which I mentioned earlier. A lot of people thought that it was a failure uh, because I think back in 1989, it had an $11 million, uh, I think, market cap, and it's now a $5 trillion market, right? And that's why I'm saying we're, if we're drawing parallels here, we're at that starting point of 1989 with the ETFs where asset tokenization is just starting, but the opportunity is is enormous.
1: Your experience of this area of endeavor goes all the way back beyond the ICO boom where it all began. You've just alluded to the ETF markets which exploded from, from nothing, and we have seen other markets do the same. Money market funds would be another good example of something which came from small beginnings and became... Very big, but as you look back over your your hard earned experience, uh, how do you think the let's call it the tokenization industry sits now uh, compared to where we were um, three years ago, five years ago? In a way, I'm asking you what what keeps your faith strong that this is one day actually uh, going to to happen. Hmm
0: yeah um you know yeah you're right i think many uh different companies have started down this path and given up and we've persisted (laughs) over these years um purely out of the fact that we're seeing the changes come along the adoption come along and um the quality of issuers uh inbound inquiries that's coming and uh You know, and the the engagement that we have on a daily basis with a lot of the um, innovation teams across banks and financial institutions, and the the, the fact that we are setting our own precedents and kind of paving the way in what we think may be a vital component of the future of finance, which is what this podcast is all about, Mm -hmm. is what drives us to do what we do and continue doing what we do it hasn't been uh an easy road by any means you know a lot of regulatory hurdles a lot of license applications we may be in the process of getting even more licenses um but uh i the, the i think what really inspires us on our whole team is the fact that we're doing something that's never been done before and we're just creating our own path and 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 setting our own precedents, and it's it's very exciting um and we get driven by (laughs) all of the encouragement from you know uh, the daily inbound inquiries and and the discussions uh very 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 um high level discussions that we have with multiple financial institutions across uh, across the globe that uh has kept us going all this time so yeah, most up to this day, a lot of it has been in POC stage, right? But we're starting to hear, and we are actually actively pursuing commercialization of a lot of these projects, including EVCC, which is something that we did in a POC stage, but finally looking to to commercialize hopefully this year.
1: One last question uh, for you, asked before, I I let you go, and it's this: you. I've mentioned education a number of times during this, this conversation because this is a new thing and people have to, to learn to understand it. It's also a fast evolving thing. The issues are changing all the time and they're, they're not uncomplex. You have to make mm. considerable effort to to understand what the advantages and disadvantages are. If I said to you, the, the conversations you're having with incumbent institutions, and I'm thinking here of, of asset managers, uh, institutional investors, the clients of the asset managers, and indeed corporate issuers are the conversations you're having with them now uh, less about you know what the hell is this thing tokenization more about uh, what can it do for me how can we make it happen and and why do i need it to happen what incentives do i have to make it happen are the conversations more business like now and less educational with those three groups
0: that's exactly right on. And that's part of the reason why uh, we continue to do what we do is because we have seen uh, that uh, understanding improve over the years. Um, you're exactly right on. Uh, it ha- it's, it's now a lot more sophisticated dialogue and understanding about asset tokenization the, and, and technology. And they have all their own internal teams um, who are dedicated to specific projects like this. And so the discussions have changed uh, drastically from when we first started, where it was basic breakdown. What is a blockchain? What is private versus public protocols? What are smart contracts? To now, how can I use this in my various divisions um, and, and departments within an organization? and a little bit of a <laughs> FOMO, uh, where they're thinking, wow, well, everyone has done something now, you know, I have to do something. Um, so yeah, the discussion has changed drastically.
1: Alice Chen, thanks very much for taking the time to share your experience and insights with the members of Future of Finance.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.